This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by... Mia Jankovic. And... John Reid. No Steve Anglesey this week, which is good news, I'm sure you'll all agree. We're all really happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's taking um, a few days off in preparation, I think, is for... Is my job safe now? Is your job safe? <laughs> your job is absolutely safe. Um, Steve is um, Steve's taking a few days off in preparation for uh, next week's election. I should, we should tell you about that right at the top of the podcast. We're going to do a election special next week, so we might not be in your podcatcher of choice at 6am next week. We'll probably record about 7, so please bear with us. We'll try and get it to you around sort of 9 o'clock time, but obviously... We're always first with the news on this podcast, so we would like to be absolutely up to date for you next Friday with all the things that have been happening throughout the night. Um, and of course, uh, John, maybe do you want to just tell us a little bit about what we're planning on the website overnight? Because people, it would be great if people were to come to the New European Podcast while they're watching uh, the live coverage of the election. What have you got planned? Absolutely. I mean, for those that haven't been on our website recently, we've got so much more content than is just in the newspaper. Um, we're updating stories throughout the day, throughout the week. Um, and on election night, of course, we'll all be there awake throughout the night as the results come in. There'll be a live blog, there'll be stories from a sort of pro-Remain perspective, um, and really just covering some of the content that um, the national national websites aren't necessarily focused on. So if you want your pro-Remain perspective, come to our website throughout the night, throughout the next morning. Um, as you say, the podcast will be there when it's ready. 
Um, but there'll be lots and lots of content and video throughout the evening. And Mir, you'll be you'll be manning the uh, the website as well, of course, as one of our roving TNE reporters. That's true. I are will. You, I'll be wide awake. Are you looking night. for? Are you looking forward <laughs> to it? Um, oh yeah, I'm loving this election. It's it's a really positive experience generally. Okay, um, it, it, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? Um, election nights for reporters because what tends to happen is newsrooms get full of reporters who then have, uh, sort of hang around and wait, hurry up and wait, sort of thing. But with the new European, it will be constant analysis and news throughout. You've got 650 MPs to go at. It's going to be exciting, huh? Absolutely. The looks on the faces, if you could see them. <laughs> what have you got planned snack-wise? Oh, uh, last election count I did, um, I think it was some Pringles. It was a good choice. Pringles, that's oh, good. I'll, I'll be going harder than that with food. I mean, I, I was thinking some sort of takeout. Um, oh! You know, I'm not <laughs> going to name brand insane. names here, but it'd be pizza. Pizza, you know. Fantastic we'll, pizza. We'll, we'll, well, have to be, we'll have to be nice to Steve now, though, Mia. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be well, the well, one, he's paying. one paying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, if you're listening, um, hold on to your wallet. Um, <laughs> Okay, great stuff. Uh, so we're going to do the news first off, and even though Steve isn't here, he has supplied us with some Brexiteers of the Week, so we will get to that as well. Um, I think first off we should talk about the Lib Dems, because they're having a strange election, I think. Um, mm. I, I think perhaps at the start of the election when it was called, we thought there might be more cut through, they might gain more traction with their very hard remain stance. Um, it, it hasn't quite happened. But, Mia, a good interview on Andrew Neil for Joe Swinson. It was, I thought. Um, I think an awful lot of her perception um, has to do with more what we think a leader looks and sounds like. I think Jeremy Corbyn um, suffers from this as well. Yeah. I talk, might talk about that in a bit. But um, essentially, I thought she had a good performance. I think she's a good debater. She's a good interviewee. Um, mainly because she does something very rare. She attempts at least to answer a question even 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 in politician ease yeah and i think andrew neil's treatment of her last night showed that he claims um i haven't scientifically tested this but he claims not to interrupt when someone's actually answering the question and if if her answers last night were anything to go by you know he did give her an easier time and i think it's because she makes a genuine effort to 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 look at what's in front of her there i agree absolutely i think um i think that the way that she answers questions is it, it was clearly better than what Jeremy Corbyn did. And I think because of that, uh, Neil gives them an easier time. Is probably not, I wouldn't say an easier time, but he gives, he gives them time to answer and he lets them answer because they are answering. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing I their job. Uh, she yeah, needed that, though, didn't she? Because she had a pretty, pretty awful session on question time earlier in the election campaign. But perhaps that, that one-on-one, just her in the limelight, um, w- w- will have helped. Do you think, do you think it will pick up votes? I mean, from my perspective, um, I think, yeah, she started off maybe on the back foot with with question time. I think also over the campaign, we've seen a lot of her red lines and um, sort of claims about, oh, I can still be prime minister, etc., that they've been softened. So, you know, whether she can work with a part, you know, any sort of government of any colour now, she's saying, you know, beforehand, I think there was a lot of frustration from Remainers about, um, some of her positions she was taken, and it felt like you know she was almost handing the election to Boris Johnson on a plate before yeah. the results had even been counted. So I think now she's she's clarified a lot of her position. She, you know, she, she's able to be questioned with more confidence and to to put across her position without sort of seeming like she's uh, you know sort of preventing any sort of chance of a Remain coalition at the end of this election. So yeah, I think 
the Lib Dems have certainly had struggled in this campaign, but it does feel like Joe Swinson <coughs> is getting her act together as we head towards election day. Yes, and, and, a, and a, a, a big final week can make all the difference. Because I thought one of the standout moments actually during the during the um, the interview, and one that really um, uh, brought it in hard contrast to to Corbyn's was when he was talking about the bedroom tax, mm. and and uh, Neil was talking about the, uh, the, the bedroom tax, and, and Joe Swinson said. Um, I've previously said, and I'm happy to say uh, that the, some of these policies w- w- were wrong. Yes, I'm sorry that I did that. It was not the right policy, and we should have stopped it. That was an apology for voting for it, of course, when in coalition. That was a problem for Jeremy, wasn't it? He wasn't, he wasn't happy to say sorry, and she did. Do you think that that was the right thing for her to do? I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. You know, that's, that's their biggest albatross, isn't it, that time in coalition? Um, and it's just one of those things, you've just got to kind of take the hit as a politician when you know that public sentiment and your, your current support simply doesn't like something you did. There is no point sitting there and getting tetchy in an interview mm. because you're being asked yet again to mm. apologise. People do need to see that, and this isn't some kind of point of pride either. People, you know, if we talk about defi- divisions and unhappiness in politics, it's partly because you know, people don't feel respected, and there's a genuine emotional need, I think, you know, particularly from the Jewish community, to hear Jeremy Corbyn say it again yeah. and feel like he means it. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like in tone, and this is one criticism I do have of Jo Swinson, <coughs> excuse me, um, is that she, that there is there is that need to sound a little bit uh, less brisk when yeah. she does these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that said, I mean, uh, I mean, to apologise for. I agree with you. She can she can come across as a bit sharp, but then I wonder sometimes if if it was a male leader. Yeah. If do you know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm not sure she should have to apologise for it. I agree with what you're saying, mm. but I think taking for you know if that's the way she is, then that's the way she is. You know, and it doesn't take away from her policies, does it? I think it goes back to what I said earlier about I think in this country we do have a problem with. Uh, pre-anticipating what a leader looks like. You know, we, we like our leaders to be sort of posh, physically imposing, yeah. deep-voiced. like goes Jono. Oh. <laughs> 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 You're going to be Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. Anyone can be Prime Minister, according to Jay Simpson. So. Um, that is gendered. It's not entirely. I mean, obviously, Jeremy Corbyn suffers from that, too. But if you look at countries that have sort of managed to escape that, they've got really good leaders. Like, yeah. you know, you've got Nicola Sturgeon, who, who, who sort of has broken that mould, or, or New Zealand's Jacinda Ardern, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, really should good. be less attached to this Churchillian thing. I agree completely. Good point. And, and I thought one of the things that maybe she tripped up on was, and I can understand why she didn't go deeper down this rabbit hole she would want to, was on the um, Scottish independence and the potential for a, for a second referendum on that. Um, because uh, she, she sort of dodged that question. She, she, she simply said, you know, I'll vote for a people's vote in a Brexit deal. She didn't want to talk about whether there would be, if there was a, a confidence and supply deal, whether that would include a, a second referendum. And, of course, that is, that is what the Tories are banging on about with, with a, a potential uh, coalition um, that, you know, if Labour were to get in, if there was to be a Live Lab coalition. Um, so, uh, Jono, I mean, that, that is a, a sore point, isn't it, I think, possibly for, for, the, for the parties that are, that are chasing the Tories? Yes. That's my concern at the moment, that um, there still seems to be a lot of red lines underlying what could happen after Election Day, mm, as mm. you say, with the Scottish independence stuff. If the SNP have to be part of this coalition, that's obviously going to be a problem um, for the Lib Dems, um, more so than Labour, perhaps. Um, again, Joe Swinson said 
maybe over the weekend, I think it was, that um, you know, she wouldn't support, for instance, Labour's policies on nationalisation. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of caveats that, you know, when it comes to if there is going to be this horse trading after the election, fingers crossed maybe that the Tories don't get this majority, um, but that is going to be um, you know, a big problem, I think, in terms of whether they can get their act together quick enough. And we've seen this before, you know, when we were heading towards a no-deal Brexit, potentially, you know, the Remain party just couldn't get their act together quick enough to make things happen. Yeah. And I fear that could happen again after the election yeah. if there's all these caveats involved. It has been something of an issue for the Remain parties that they haven't been able to, to come together, perhaps, as, as, well as, the, uh, as well as the other side have. Um, just briefly, and we'll, we'll get on to other things, but I just wanted to say about the Lib Dems also... There has been a toning down of their, their ambition, haven't they? I mean, you know, Jill Swinson told us at the start that she was going to be the next Prime Minister. I think we all yeah. sort of sniggered at that. She, she said last night that I'm confident we're going to win more seats. Uh, Mia, do you think they will win more seats, the Lib Dems? Um, what was the last projection in the MRP? To, to, to win one more, I think. Yeah, disappointing, um, very disappointing. It was super disappointing. And I think what, you know, what that's possibly done is galvanise people to, to essentially... Um, essentially to vote tactically and i think that could see a couple more strategic seats go their way mm, mm. yeah I, I i think i would i think one one is low i think they probably will pick up mm. pick up more than that um, and of course they've got before we had the election they had what 1920 um mps so you know it's going to be a disappointment i think for the dens if, if they get be you know below that yeah 19 mark yeah absolutely um let, let's let's talk briefly about Labour, um, I I also think that their campaign really, in comparison to last times, of course, ha- hasn't taken off. There was a brilliant thing on um, Have I Got News for You last week. Did you see with Je- Jeremy Corbyn was constantly going, "Will you let me finish? Oh, yes. Will you let me finish? Will you let me finish?" And I think that goes back to the very good point that you made there about um, about how he, he's not answering the questions. And, and, he, and, and interviewers are going, well, we need to move you on. I mean, I had this when I had Boris here the other week. What they were desperate to do in a general election campaign is, of course, is talk about the things they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And what journalists want to do is to get them to talk about the things perhaps they don't want to talk about. Like and the Russia report. Yes, exactly, which, of course, <laughs> you will have seen on the website. We are uh, thrusting a copy of <laughs> the New European into uh, Boris Johnson's hands and, um, and demanding... Uh, some news on the Russia report. Um, but Jeremy's got a week now. Um, Jeremy Corbyn's got a week now. And it, is it too late, Jono, for that cut through that we had before to happen? I mean, I, I think last time we had all those great big rallies, of course, didn't we? We saw all those Labour supporters mm. singing, mm. ruining that very mm. good White Stripes mm. song mm. repeatedly. That has not been available this time because people aren't gathering outside because it's bloody cold. True. Um, True. And do you, so do you think... What what has been different this time, or is it just that people know what to expect now? Well, yeah, I think I think there's two things here. Um, one, I think even in the Labour camp, um, no one's saying this time that Labour could win. I think the best everyone's hoping for. Well, some people are saying Labour can win, but those realistically are saying you know, the best thing we can hope for really is that Boris Johnson doesn't get a majority, and somehow Labour can then form some sort of government, you know, through backroom deals, etc. Um, But secondly, I think the key thing is that the last time in 2017, Labour were constantly saying, oh, people just haven't seen enough of Jeremy Corbyn. 
And, you know, the more people see it, Jeremy Corbyn, the more likely they are to sort of back him and get on board with him. Well, people have had several years now of seeing Jeremy Corbyn yeah. and the public hasn't warmed to him anymore. I don't think we can expect that resurgence of support suddenly just because people think, oh, I've never seen this Jeremy Corbyn chat before, because they definitely have. Um, so I don't think those perceptions are going to change um, in the next week or so. But... I mean, in terms of the polling itself, you know, as we've already mentioned, there's things like tactical voting. There's a lot of play there. You know, even the polling experts are saying we could underestimate what Remainers are thinking, how they might actually turn out and vote on the day. There's that element at play, but I don't think that necessarily plays into Labour's hands as such. It just means that Boris Johnson's majority might then shrink a bit more. Um, Mia, what, what, what's your view on, on Labour's campaign so far? Well, this is. I think it's been... I think they've got a moonshot campaign. They've just said, let's have the most utopian picture of every single policy that can <laughs> reconstruct this country pre-austerity. And I think it's, it's some, there's something really admirable about that, that enthusiasm. And yeah. some of them as well were genuinely eye-catching. Like the, the promise to create an NHS forest. Do you remember? That? It's not a major po- you know, policy issue, this one. But it's a big issue. But it's not a major policy promise. But it is really imaginative. And mm-hmm. it really kind of captures, the, you know, captures people's minds about the idea of planting a load of trees on NHS land. And why not? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant bringing together of things that people love. Yeah. Um, Although maybe we could do some more hospitals being built on that land. On, on the, yes, quite possibly. <laughs> Can you have hospitals in trees? <laughs> well, hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Hospitals in trees. Houses. I'd love that. I think you've you've taken this policy and you've moved it to a far more radical place and a place that I like. Children's wards would be ideal in tree houses because kids love tree houses. Also squirrels, so Joe Swinson can get involved. Squir- squirrels. I yeah. think. Do, do we treat squirrels on the NHS? <laughs> That's <laughs> another radical policy. Yeah, it's a new one for Yeah. Well, I mean. You know. <laughs> Um, but I do think it was it, it, they've almost thrown too much at it, and there's been a lot of policy announcements, all of which you know you can debate on their own terms. I happen to quite like a lot of them, um, but it's almost been a little bit a lot of noise. Whereas yeah. I think the Tories have kept it very simple. Well, it's for I mean, a very good reason because their policies are rubbish. Well, I mean, a lot of it's caught a lot of flack for having a thin manifesto, haven't they, the Tories? Um, but that was completely by design. Uh, this this does in some ways feel like a proxy, you know, sort of return to 2016 with the referendum campaign. The Leave camp, you know, they had very simple messages, you know, they didn't have a lot of detail, you know, it just, just kept parroting the same lines. And, of course, the, you know, there were several accusations of numerous lies being thrown around as well. And the Tories are kind of playing from that playbook again, you know, very thin on detail, just using constant messaging and, you know, throwing in the odd lie as well. And... How the Remain parties deal with those lies is still something that I don't think we've really learned effectively how to do that. You know, I think there's still that stumbling block of, you know, people seem to recognise those lies and people seem to recognise it's just this constant messaging being thrown at them, but no one really knows how to really convince the public to therefore not back that party. And so it does you feel like Remain mm. versus Leave, but in a different sort of scenario. So is your suggestion then that they're, t- they're trying to say? as little as possible in order that they don't get caught out telling fibs yeah well i mean they've definitely been caught out telling fibs but i mean caught they're out just hoping that message telling the truth keep, well <laughs> <laughs> but i think they're just hoping that message you know that is a constant message i mean we were just talking about the labor campaign i mean what they actually stand for some people are just parroting saying well they're just the party of free broadband what exactly their message is overall I don't know, it does get a bit more blurred, and as much as we groan about get Brexit done, that is what at least people are talking about in terms of the Tory campaign 
um, you know, or, or in terms of the general population, I think. So, so Boris Johnson has set out what he would do in the first 100 days if he was to become mm-hmm. Prime Minister, because we know that he will set out his legislative programme in a Queen's speech on December the 19th. I shall be on holiday. So screw you. <laughs> Who's allowing you to have holiday? <laughs> I have got. I've, I didn't take any holiday, and then there was an election. Yeah. So that, yeah, I'm, yeah, that was I'm, our trouble as well. We thought September, October, Brexit. You know, that'd be the big thing, and then suddenly here's an election. Suddenly there's an election. Yeah. Um, so someone else is going to have to deal with the Queen's speech. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, I think Burkow was talking to the um, to, to some FT uh, conference, I think. And he, he was talking about get Brexit done, and he said, so far in the campaign, it seems to me that the Conservatives have persisted successfully with the flawed but simple message, get Brexit done. I say flawed because the result of the election, even if it produces a majority for the Conservatives, might facilitate the speedy implementation of phase one, but that's just the withdrawal agreement. The question of a trade deal with the EU will still have to be debated. I, I think that is something that Labour have been saying and, and Remainers have been saying, but I think the public get that. Mm. I think I think they realise that it's not da da. We're suddenly out of the EU. I think they, what they want is some. You know, a lot of people want is some progression. So I don't think that that is an argument that really um, has much traction. Mia, do you agree or? I disagree a bit. I think you I can think disagree completely if you want. Uh, <laughs> That'd be better. You say, "Porrit, you're an idiot." <laughs> I've already like completely dirtied my name with Steve. So yeah, okay. Um, no, um, I, I think there's a genuine exhaustion, mm. and people do just want, unrealistically, want the subject to be done and dusted. Um, they do want to see people getting on with other policies yeah. and other other areas, and, yeah. and it won't happen. Mm. It simply won't while Brexit is happening for the next, you know, two or three years. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, uh, yeah. John, do you what do you think? I, I don't think people. I think people think it's scaremongering to believe that you know, in eight or nine or ten years, we'll still be talking about the Brexit process. But, you know, that is quite possibly a reality. I mean, we talk about that 100 days plan from the Tories. I mean, even in that, they're saying March the 22nd, we could have it all done and dusted. But they were talking about January the 31st, so even that has got, you know, numerous caveats to it. And I just think, you know, they can have this plan, but they weren't able to do it a lot of what they're planning to do Mm. if, if we look aside from just Brexit in the first 4,000 days that the Tories have been in government, why would anyone think this is a realistic timetable for them to suddenly transform the country with their own, um, with, with, with Boris Johnson's vision? But, I mean, yeah, I'm not fully of the belief that the public are aware of all the consequences of what Get Brexit Done means. I mean, certainly, yes, they want to see that progression. I'd agree with you on that point. But I don't think they've really fully understood you know how long this is going to drag on for of course go back to when Jacob Rees-Mogg said the benefits won't be for another 50 years I mean if we were sort of (laughs) pointing that out for uh you know everyone you know they might be aware that it is going to be a very very long process before we even see the benefits (laughs) (laughs) exactly I haven't even got a hedge Um, there's also been some talk of um, February budget, hooray and um, and that would uh, he's going to start talking more and more I think about about um, getting the um, the thresholds to which people start paying national insurance to £9,500 which would be worth about £100 a year for about 31 million workers I think so that's um, the start of other stuff coming into the campaign as well and the Tories are obviously dripping this out as the final week happens because I think there is a fear amongst the Tories and 
you know, number 10 are quietly quite pleased about how, or sorry, the Tory campaign is quite quietly quite pleased about how it's gone because Boris hasn't dropped that huge clangor. Mm-hmm. He hasn't dropped a, you know, he hasn't dropped the ball hugely. He's got away with the stuff that he has got wrong ish. Um, and I always thought that for, for Boris Johnson to lose this election, it had to, it would be him that lost it rather than Jeremy Corbyn mm. that won it. Mm. Much like Theresa May, although she did win the last election, kind of lost it because of her, her policies and, her, and the dreadful manifesto. Yeah. I don't think that Boris Johnson has done enough wrong to lose this election as it stands. He's not really been allowed to, I think. I think he's stay, uh, stayed away from scrutiny as much as he possibly can, um, as have his um, his most embarrassing candidates. Yeah, well, um, so we've not seen Jacob Rees-Mogg since... We've seen him once in a, in a, in a one Twitter video with a really big rosette. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... Uh, well, I've never it. actually met Jacob Rees-Mogg. Is he a really tiny man? And that was a normal-sized rosette. <laughs> it's hard to know because the scale is difficult in that video. He's standing by some standing stones, so you don't know if they, they could be pebbles. You know, he could be <laughs> yes, perhaps. I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> the, the great Jacob Rees-Mogg mystery. Um, so, so a hundred days uh, blueprint. Does that terrify you, Mia? Um, yes. <laughs> Everything about a Tory government terrifies me. And they're talking about a parliamentary vote before Christmas, of course, so not only do we get the, the Queen's speech before Christmas, and then another one on Christmas Day, <laughs> which is tradition, uh, we also then we also get, potentially, a, a vote to, to get the first bit of Brexit over the line. Merry Christmas, you guys. Yeah, great, brilliant. Oh, it's going to be beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I actually got one of those press releases through today, which, um, to help you solve your... Christmas family Brexit dilemma. They're selling a, a Christmas tree where 48% of the decorations are European <laughs> style, 52% are British flags. And the angel is Theresa May. Oh. Um, do we miss Theresa May? No. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We I mean, might do. Aggressively, as the Prime Ministers go down the line, they get worse, don't they? So, I mean, the yeah. worst Prime Minister in history, she was labelled, until the next one. I think <laughs> exactly. is a, it's always that caveat. History um, will look more kindly on Theresa May than perhaps uh, the present did when I she mean, was this, in I mean, this, this 100 days kind of ties in with the front page of The Sun on Thursday, which is basically Boris Johnson's Ten Commandments, which is based around <laughs> these 100 days. And, you know, I, I was just thinking back, you know, to the, to the last person that had these <laughs> commandments, and uh, he set them in stone. Um, and that, that election didn't particularly go well for him, poor Ed Miliband. <laughs> or but, I mean, the Labour Party. But, no, exactly. But then, you know, looking back at Ed Miliband, you know, I think a lot of people perhaps would have forgiven him for eating that bacon sandwich, you know, if we could go back to those days. To a ah, where, where is that stone thing now? It no turned up, knows. didn't it? Well. Yeah, yeah, someone found it. Someone found it, and it's like in, a, in someone's garden or something. <laughs> well, yeah, if it's just turn it over and put Boris Johnson's on the back now, you know, there's a use for it. So yeah, putting putting uh, pledges on what basically was a headstone <laughs> was yes. perhaps a misstep, mm, I fear, yes. for poor old Mr. Milliband. Um, anyway, I thought we should talk about what we're all very excited about, and now we know we're getting takeaway as well. It's even more excited. The <laughs> night itself. Uh, so I haven't allowed you any prep really on this, have no. I? Um, so I'm just going to fire stuff out. And I thought that we could. Firstly, I thought. You just said under your breath. <laughs> These mics are good now. Oh no! Do I have to bleep something out? No, there was no swear words. Oh, good. Okay. The sentiment was there. All right. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too, Jonna. Um, 
we, uh, I, I, I love election nights. When was your first one that you did like a thrower? Have you been doing it since you were a kid? I was a really boring oh, child. Nineteen eighty-seven was the one. I, I stayed up till about midnight on, in nineteen eighty-seven. I was six. Hmm. I woke up. My mother was crying. Oh no! Yeah, I, I realised then that it hadn't gone well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I was too <coughs> fast about elections until twenty ten, when it felt like there would then be a change in government. I think before then it was, you know, business as usual as far as I can remember. I remember nineteen ninety seven was a big one, of course, because my entire mm. life to that point had been uh, Tory government, mm. um, and uh, I I set myself up in a weirdly. I'm not sure why, in my bedroom, with, with a deck chair. <laughs> deck yeah, chair. I found a deck chair in the garage and I brought it in and decided that that would be a comfy place to watch the 97 election. And it was extraordinary. You two are both far too young to remember it <laughs> and were probably fast asleep um, in 1997. But um, I had, uh, I had um, uh, snacks and stuff as well. What snacks? I, I th- well, I seem to remember there was quite a lot of crisps, but then there is quite a lot of crisps in my life, full stop. <laughs> I'm a fan of crisps. I don't, th- I don't think there was anything cooked, because that would have been like far too much effort for the teenage right. Richard. Um, but do you know what? I was worried about falling asleep, so I got a little... Do you know those, like... Um, what do you call them? Like, do you know like you spray plants with? Oh, right, like a spritzer. Like, yeah, like a... Sort of thing, like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. What are they called? Like a like a bottle, and then you and then you press it, and it sprays water out yeah, of the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I filled that with cold water, and I kept spraying myself in the face. If I oh. if I was to fall asleep, I think I was being a bit over dramatic. Really, you probably should have just had a cup, a cup of coffee. So, what yeah. your suggestion is is next week that we bring one in, so we can just spray. Yeah, or just yeah. a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Actually, don't do that. That's a bad idea. <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> Facilities in the building are going to be on my back. Do not spray fire extinguishers unless there is a fire. <laughs> Listener. Um, and don't spray fire extinguishers uh, in people's faces to keep them awake. That is a really bad idea. Unless they're on fire, perhaps. Don't know. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, let's hope none of that happens on election night. But that that was such a glorious night because Tory big beasts kept on falling, didn't they? So who's your prediction this time? Because I think there's going to be some Tories that, that, that go, some big beasts. Well, I really hope it's Ian Duncan Smith. I think he's got a strong chance of, of, of losing it this time. Um, I think Pfizer Shaheen's been quite impressive. Um, and yeah, I think you know his what's his majority last time? It was just under two thousand five hundred votes. Yeah, so it could. I mean, that could really that, that is very winnable for Labour, isn't it? Mm. That would be lovely. It'd be nice to see Dominic Raab go. I'm not sure if he will. Mm. That's going to be tight, though. I think that's well, going to be tight. Know, and what about Boris? I mean, what if Boris? What if Boris went, John? What would happen then? Well, oh, yeah, that would just be a headache or whatever. Especially if the Tories managed to somehow scrape the election, but they didn't have a leader. Imagine the, Tor- imagine the Tories win, but Boris gets beaten. I mean, what, that would be extraordinary, wouldn't it? They'd all, they'd, they'd all be so disappointed. Who'd become Prime Minister? It might be Pretty Patel. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Well, what actually would happen is that Boris would continue to be Prime Minister. You don't have to be an MP... To be Prime Minister. There was, there, was talk, there was talk of elevating someone to the House of Lords and quickly having a by-election and a safe, safe seat. Was yeah, the, yeah, that, that, that could happen. I think, if let's, let's be fair, I think Boris Johnson is probably going to keep hold of his seat. Um, I mean, there was talk, of course, of parachuting him into a, to a super-safe mm. Tory seat. Um, that would have been a bad move, I think, because mm. Labour would have just spent the whole campaign saying the Prime Minister is running scared. Uh, I think Boris Johnson is going to be OK. 
IDS would be glorious. That would be a massive moment, actually, and it would feel like a real shift, I think, a, a changing of the... True. Like Portillo in 97, it felt like something huge was changing. Even if the Tories were to win, I feel like the, it, it's almost like, um, you know, a new wardrobe has arrived. I mean, of clothes, not an actual wardrobe. <laughs> I don't even have a wardrobe. Do people have wardrobes these days? I'd have one of those hangers. Yeah, I've just got a hanger. Yeah, yeah. Mia, come on, let's let's find out. Wardrobe. I don't think anyone wants to know. Well, I <laughs> we do. do. <laughs> they love it. I've got like, one of those built-in cupboards where everything goes kind of sideways. Posh. There you go. Posh. There you go. I've just got a hanger, or it's on the floor. Um, <laughs> I wonder what Boris Johnson's got walking wardrobe at number 10 probably well it's not that big so maybe not who knows well we could ask him maybe I should ask him next time that's <laughs> yeah, what I'm asking about time. not Greg's but that um, so it, what, what, what other moments stand out what other moments do you enjoy I loved um, Buckethead he was good is he standing again he has a new name. I think there was a legal dispute over his name. So he's, he's <laughs> something like Count Binface, I think. And he's, he is, I think he would be running against Boris Johnson. I'm not sure, but... Imagine if he won <laughs> <laughs> against Boris Johnson. <laughs> Count Bucketface. What, what, Count Binface. Sorry, Binface. Um, I wonder what he's... Uh, I honestly don't know, and I don't expect you guys to either, but I wonder what policies he's running on. Bins oh, for all. I don't know his policies. I do know the policies of Stan the Cat, though. Who um, tell us more? I think he's going to unleash. He's going to. He's going to change the rules on cats on on the <laughs> local railway station roof to help clear the pigeon problem. Right. Well, what is the, so he's going to he's going to make Where is he standing? he's going to make cats go on the on railway station roofs. Well, well <laughs> he's a cat. Cruel to me. So he, he wants to you know. He wants to stuff. eat pigeons. Uh, there is famously a railway station cat in my hometown of Huddersfield. Have I got the book about him? I, I think, think you, I have. I, I think got you it have. People I'm, tend to get me cat books. Do they? I'm not sure the cat, I can't remember his name now, um, I, I, I'm not sure the cat actually wrote the book. I don't <laughs> want to disappoint you, me. <laughs> but I imagine the Huddersfield train station cat, um, Mr Tiddles or whatever it's called, would, uh, would be supportive of this cat candidate. Yes, I guess St- so. Standing in Catford, perhaps, or... Forgotten where he's standing. I have got a copy of Martin Lewis's um, famous uh, Cats in the News book. I thought it was Cats in the Nude. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different (laughs) kind of book. (laughs) Of a racy. (laughs) Of a racy car. Most cats are usually in the nude. I I don't know. They've got fur. Is this a book about shaved cats, perhaps? Oh, I hope not. Yeah, don't shave. Don't do the fire extinguisher thing. Don't shave your cat. Um, so I, I love that when they all stand up and you've got serious politicians and then you've got someone with a bin on their head or someone <laughs> yeah. dressed as a cat. It was, it was a fish finger yeah, man. Yeah, Mr. Fishfinger last time against Tim Farron. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> ran him close. Can't remember much more about that, but uh, wasn't there someone who stood against Nigel Farage, was it? It was a dolphin. A dolphin, he, that was he it, didn't, yeah. he, he lost to the dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. the dolphin got more Wasn't that yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I hope all these people are standing up. The most famous, um, probably, um, political gag, of course, was in Hartlepool, wasn't it, where that guy, the monkey, because they were known as the monkey hangers, stood for mayor in a monkey suit and won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he won. And then he thought, oh, damn, <laughs> I'm going to absolutely have to be mayor then. And it, was, it, it wasn't just the, you know, obviously it wasn't the just wear the robes, wear the bling, sort of mayor, it was one of these elected mayors, and he then took it very seriously and started turning up, not in a monkey suit, but in a suit, 
And I think he did quite a good job, and he was re-elected. Oh, he that's beautiful. Did he wear a monkey suit for the next election? I don't though? think he did. I think he started to realise that this was actually quite a serious job, and he was getting paid quite a lot of money, and he probably, you know, <laughs> shouldn't be monkeying around so much. Well, this restores my faith in democracy. Absolutely. So, you know, if we have got a... There is a, 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 few, a, a spattering of monster-raving loony candidates, which always mm. always lights up election night. I love it when they read their names out as well. Yeah. And there's, everyone's dead serious, and then you've got these names being read out. <laughs> Oh, well, I love how returning officers just love their job anyway. They get oh, to do yeah. it once every five years, well, a bit well, more often. Yeah, days, once but, yearly. Yeah. You know, they, they, really, uh, they really build up to the moment, don't they? They take it very seriously, and rightly so. This is a serious thing, but it's good when there's some fun in there. And at 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, when I've got my squirter, it feels like you're almost hallucinating, you know. I just, I just really hope that we are talking about, in two weeks' time or a week's time, um, Tories and DUP candidates that have lost their seat rather than... No, people like Joe Swinson, Ed Miliband, you know, all these others that, you know, potentially we've seen polling that suggests they could lose their seat, yeah, you know, yeah. the scenarios are different. So yeah, fingers crossed it's it's that that we're talking Some about. Some big lever beasts. Mm. Dominic Raab, IDS, that would be a beautiful evening, wouldn't it? Yeah, and Rob has been quite badly treated and also treated people quite badly at his hustings um, lately. I, it was about a week ago, I think, that he he came to a hustings which were really horribly noisy and one of the main reasons for that was that he was just kind of ignoring Harry Dunn's family outside, mm. who, to be fair, well, have nothing to do with the constituency, but understood that, you know, that there was something dreadful going on in terms of how his department has treated them. Yeah, yeah. Um, wouldn't speak to them beforehand, wouldn't let them in, which technically is not really their bag because it's not their hustings. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, the, 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 how that looked was just absolutely dreadful. Yeah. And then afterwards he wouldn't speak to them again. And it's that sort of thing that sort of makes you once again ask if he has a soul. Yes. <laughs> well, quite. I mean, we've asked that question on this podcast a few times. And I th- but I think his problem is that he's just not very good. He's not a very good politician. Mm. If anything doesn't go how he planned it, i.e. someone turns up and wants to talk about something different, he just blanks them. Right, and the pain in his neck goes up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. But there's this, it seems that there's this view on his part that he can just ignore things and do what he wants, that sort of entitlement, which is never a good look for a Tory MP. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Dominic Raab, not a good politician, and uh, fingers crossed that he loses his seat. He may well. And, of course, Hugh Grant um, yeah. has become a bit of a you know hero in terms of campaigning against these individuals in different seats and advocating tactical voting. Um, he's in, in Duncan Smith's seat this week, and he's been out with Luciana Berger and... They sort of campaigning against different um, sort of uh, sort of villains in terms of politics. So it's interesting to sort of see him coming out and sort of trying to push this tactical voting course. Which, you know, if we are to see these uh, Tory politicians unseated, it will be down to tactical voting. I think that will make that happen. Really, it will. Okay. Um, is there anything else you would like to tell us before I call the end to the news? Oh God. Um. Anything you want to get off your chest? I don't think so. I mean, if any pizza people are listening at the moment and want to sort of that's sponsor what I was tonight, you know. That's what I was aiming for. If, um, if there are any pizza firms out there, uh, national or indeed local to uh, our part of the country, <laughs> then please do get in touch and uh, you can have your name read out on the podcast on Friday morning Absolutely. as long as we get loads of great pizzas. In fact, it doesn't have to be pizzas, burgers. Any food any, Has anyone got any dietary requirements? <laughs> No, no but I do like I do quite like a, a Thai green curry. Right, so, so we do. Okay, we yeah, can have yeah. dual sponsors, but I'm yeah. happy for Thai yeah. as well. That's yeah. fine. Uh, any any 
alcohol firms. Yeah, <laughs> and energy drinks is probably a good thing as well, yeah. Get in touch with us in the usual way. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. Now, none of us, I think, are, are, are as skillful as Steve at bringing the Brexiteer of the Week to you. He's a, he's a very funny man and a very lovely boss. Isn't that right, mate? <laughs> He's like the Bruno Brooks of uh, Bruno counting Brooks. down the uh, Brexiteers. Yeah, we should do the music in the background. But he has left us with some Brexiteers. We, he did actually um, He did actually offer, I spoke to him on the phone just before we came on, and he did say, shall I ring in? Shall I ring in? And I, I just put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back next week, don't worry. Do not fear. Um, but we have got four Brexiteers of the week. Uh, we're going to start with uh, you, Mia, at number four. Who is it? It is Robert Rowland, a Brexit Party MEP, who um, who had, well, a really bad time in Parliament. I think it's he's hardly actually answer, asked any questions there, but um, he will go down in history for this one, um, where he stood up in, um, in the Parliament and was talking about um, Molly Scott Cato's fitness to comment on economics. Um, so he stood up and asked her you know, basically, are you, are you qualified to talk about the economics of Brexit like this? So he said, I'd just like to ask Mrs Scott Cato what empirical proof she has at the end of the transition period when we'll be leaving the European Union. Um, what, you know, basically asking her, are you qualified when, when, as far as I'm aware, she does not have any degree in economics. Um, maybe she has some business experience that would give some empirical proof that that would be the case. Um, and there's just a bit of a pause and she just gets up <laughs> and says... Um, I'm a professor of economics and I still am one um, and then she goes on to actually make a very very sort of brief and well argued point on her, on her own economic points anyway but yeah she's, um, she's the, the professor of green economics at Roehampton and she's also the finance spokesperson for the Greens Don't so that was, uh, that was nice to go. <laughs> oh, little bit of prep there, although you could say that about my performance on every podcast, I guess. Um, in at number three, Claire Fox. Does anyone even know who Claire Fox is? Well, I'll tell you. She's a, um, she's a Brexit Party MEP. And she was... Uh, why were the Washington Post bothering to interview a Brexit Party MEP? I'm not sure. But here's what she said. Um, w- w- she was talking about her job in, uh, in the European Parliament. We're not made to feel very welcome. Well, shock horror, guys. What a, <laughs> what a shock. Because, of course, um, they, they turned their back on the anthem. They, they love to have a long, ranting speech about the evil empire. Um, it's, not a great, um, it's not a great surprise that there is such frostiness. She also told the paper, and this, frankly, is a, it's, it's outlandish. She said um, she was bored of her £90,000 a year job oh. in the European Parliament. Bored of it. Tiny violins there. Yeah, exactly. She, um, she, I mean, she, she rang for election. It was her choice. She's, it was only me. She's already bored. She said, get me out of this stupid job. It's deadly dull, technocratic. It's politics with the guts ripped out. Um, perhaps the, uh, the EU should invest in some fire eaters and acrobats uh, to cheer up poor Claire. Of course, they've already got a clown with Nigel Farage. And there's another fox at number two. Another one. Anyone guess? Well, is it Doctor Fox? It, well, I, actually, <laughs> I think he is a doctor. Yeah, so you're right. You're right, but it's not Foxy. It is Liam Fox. 
Um, he's been doing. He, I mean, you, has anyone missed Liam Fox? Because we've not really seen much of him, have we? And that's because Boris sort of gave him the elbow, didn't he? Um, He's been doing these uh, 60 second web videos. I love it when someone, so the MPs always go, oh, I need to get trendy and do something on the interweb. I need uh-huh. to do something on Snapface or something. <laughs> and, and that's obviously what's happened here. And some, some young, uh, jaunty young Tory, I imagine, probably called Julian, has uh, gone, yes, Dr. Fox, yeah, we'll do some web videos. We'll do 60 second web videos. And um, he, he went for the party line, which is good. Well done. Tory Central will be saying. Uh, but he got his words a bit mixed up, didn't he, Jono? He said, uh, get Brexit gone, ah. rather than get Brexit yeah. done. It's a good hashtag. It is it a good is. hashtag. It's good, um, good to see it a convert to our side. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, although still don't vote for him. Um, imagine, imagine if he got his hands on some other slogans. Labour isn't twerking. It's <laughs> 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 not a vision I want. <laughs> well, they're not, so well, it's fine. Yeah, it's, true. it's fine. But Jeremy Corbyn twerking... <laughs> I tell you what, Mr. Corbyn, if you're listening, and I know you do, if you go on national TV and twerk, <laughs> I'll vote for you. Well, there might be a future for him on Strictly. Man, <laughs> Strictly come dancing, that would be great. I'd definitely watch it if he was on. Um, new Labour, new banger. Or maybe um, Brexit beans Brexit. That'd be good. Some little slogans yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, but the winner, Jono, is in your hands. Who is the Brexiteer of the week? So it's James Heapy. Um, Teepee? James Teepee? Heapy. Heapy? Yep, that well-known Tory candidate. Yeah. Um, he's been putting out leaflets over the last couple of weeks for his election campaign. Um, it all seemed above board in the sense that he's been promising more money for the NHS um, and also a renovated Swansea Parkway train station. Ooh, the only that's trouble, high on my list. Well, exactly. The only trouble is all this leaflet literature about Wales um, was a bit of a miscommunication because he's actually standing in, <laughs> in Wells in Somerset. Um, apparently, Tory Central HQ had blamed the blunder um, you know, on a telephone call and mishearing what had been dictated to them. Did he said, he's Wells, and he went, Wales somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> Something about Swansea in there. That's in Wales, isn't it? <laughs> Have these gone out to people in Wales? Yeah, it seems like That's it. Yeah, um, Heapy's uh, Lib Dem challenger, Tessa Munt, uh, described the error as very embarrassing for him, which I think is a bit of an understatement, really. <laughs> I mean, you'd be livid if that happened. Who's, um, is he going to win in Wales? I don't know. He, he might win in Wales, but I don't think he's going to win in <laughs> Wales. <laughs> We've got more. Welsh people nodding their heads approving me. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, okay. got some fans in Wales. Swan- not here. Swansea Parkway. That's my Welsh impression. Needs improvement. It's not very well, but what are you going to do for us? Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is hilarious. I hadn't seen that. Fantastic. Well, why and why not, James Heapy? You are the Brexiteer of the week for not knowing where you're standing. For it are. Okay. Um, it, what, here's what you should do right now, listener. Um, go and leave us a review. Do we get good reviews? I did say that if we had five good reviews this week, I would do 50 press-ups. All right, I'm just typing them in now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you another week. Five good reviews. Because I did 10 press-ups on the podcast last week. On the podcast? O- o- during the podcast, I, I did 10 press-ups. And then, and then and for my last one, I did an 11th one. I did a clap. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I can see you're impressed. Just in time for Christmas, the new workout video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the first press-up I've done for a very long time, but I did manage him. Steve said he couldn't even do one. <laughs> you guys fancy doing any press-ups? 
Some squat thrusts, perhaps. Do the lady ones. Some burpees. No burpees. Do you not don't know what a burpee is? Oh, they're horrible. Oh, they are. They look. The thing about a burpee is it looks like you could do it all day long. And, you, and after you've do done about, about three, <laughs> you've done about three, you're like, oh, oh. but they do look super easy. I saw, um, I saw. <laughs> you're now encouraging so, people to leave a review based on this conversation. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I'll tell you what a burpee is. You sort of start like a press up and then you bring your knees up and then you sort of jump up and then you do it again. And it, and it looks dead easy and it's really hard. <laughs> Try, listener, after you've left a good review. You can. Absolutely. What do you do? They follow us on Facebook. I'm not really good on Facebook. You like people on Facebook. You so do. You can like us at the New European, or you can join the readers group. Um, is it for slow readers? Is it that slow readers group? Like I was in at school. That's, that's <laughs> no. the one you're in. Is it the ones who? <laughs> None of our readers got to page four. Well, they got to page four this week. Um, <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. What is what is our Twitter handle? Uh, at the New European. I thought you were going to do I don't know. <laughs> and you can find us on Instaface. How do you do that? Again, at the New European. Clever. It's clever that he's called it that. Did you say that? Consistency, isn't there? Yeah. And what's your Twitter handle, Jono? Um, I'm at Jono Reid. And Mia, do you have Twitter? I do. Um, it's at Mia Yankovic, if you can spell it. There you go. I can't even say it. Or <laughs> 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 well, you can follow me at Porrick, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you ever so much for listening. It means the absolute world to us. If you haven't already, go out and buy a copy of the printed product. It's £3 and it's in all good news agents right now. Lots of election news, lots of Brexit news, but a heck of a lot more. There's loads of arts and culture in there as well. You always learn something in the New European. Next week, as I mentioned at the top of the pod, we will be doing a very swiftly put together election reaction special so expect it a little bit later than normal we'll try and get it to you um breakfast time ish um but bear with us if it's uh, if it's a it's, it's going to be a long night um but we will get it to you as soon as we can until then mr campbell play your bagpipes here you go